new series. And you can see at the top of your notes, the goal we talked about last week, first lesson, open hearts with open Bibles. Uh, I still love Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word. And we said last week that this series, my heart's desires for three kinds of people that I think covers everyone in this room, people who have never or rarely opened their Bible last year. My prayer is that your desire for the Word of God would be increased by this series. Secondly, people who opened their Bibles but didn't really open their hearts. You, you ticked it off the list, you, you, you opened it, you read it every day, but it became mechanical and it wasn't really life-giving. I'm praying that God will increase your delight in the Word of God through this series. And the third kind of person is the person who opened their Bibles and their hearts last year. And my desire for you is that your desperation and dependency on the Bible will deepen and increase. There's something for everyone. And remember, it's called the approach, heart postures for approaching our Bibles. And we said that when it comes to approaching our Bibles, the approach is nothing apart from the grace of God. We looked at the, the Acts 16 and really looked at Lydia and how the Lord had to open her heart. And so God has to do in a work in our hearts for us to approach the Bible and really benefit from it. But we also said that the approach is everything. When we respond to God's grace, just because everything depends on God doesn't mean we don't have to respond. And the Lord opened Lydia's heart in Acts 16 to respond to what she heard. Now, on that day, she was hearing the Bible orally. We have our own copy. He opens our hearts when we read the Bible to respond to it. And then we said the approach is something. It's something that we do by grace, through faith, this series is to help you know what that something is. And so last week, we said it all starts with your heart. When it comes to the approach, it all starts with the heart. And we looked at three postures last week, all right? If anybody can rattle all three of those off, I've got a copy of this book. I'll give to you. I'll give you a free copy. Can anybody remember what the three heart postures were? Well, there you go. You got it. Is it on there? Did I already give that to you? No, I have the lesson from it. You have a free book. <laughs> hey, hey, that, that's exactly what you... No, that's, that's the way you do it, okay? So you get a free book. They're not in yet, but you'll get one. <laughs> Trust me, you'll get it. All right, well done, Carmen. Now, if everything starts with the heart, I want to say to you this morning, it continues with your mind. If it starts with your heart, it continues with your mind. Think about Matthew 22, where Jesus said that the greatest commandment was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. It starts with your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? Your mind, your mind, our minds have to be engaged. And that's what we want to look at. In fact, this, this uh, verse from last week, Acts 16, 14, the Lord opened Lydia's heart. Well, that same word opened is used in Luke by Luke in Luke 24 when Jesus opened the minds of the disciples 
to understand the scriptures. I think that's beautiful. So the Lord, by his grace, opens your heart to respond, but he also will open your mind to understand the scriptures. In fact, in the Hebrew Bible, mind and heart are all intertwined together. You know, these aren't these separate things. And that's something that we, I want to emphasize to you, that when we come to the Bible, we need a balance between the heart, the head, and our hands. Because they, our whole person needs to be involved. And the Bible is speaking to all of us, okay? I read a, a great book, I recommend it, Rediscovering Holiness, decades ago by J.I. Packer. And he talked about this head, hand, heart thing. And he drew these stick figures, and I won't take time to do it, but he drew a stick figure of this giant head. You know, head Christians, right? And it just looks nasty. It's a little stick figure with a giant head. Then he drew a stick figure of someone with a giant heart and little stick figure hands, you know, like that. And then he drew a stick figure with gigantic hands and feet. And that's the imbalance. You know, we don't want to be that. I mean, that, it, it, that's deformity, right? That's not normality. And so we want to keep these in balance. So where do we go in the Bible? To see this kind of approach, this approach of the mind and the heart, I would suggest to you that you turn to Acts 17. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Acts 17, 10 through 12. Acts 17, 10 through 12. And we're going to look at the Bereans. And so the thrust, if last week it was start with your heart, and we looked at Lydia in Acts 16. This week, it's be a Berean, and we're going to look at Acts 17. So Paul is on his second missionary journey in Acts 17, and they went to Thessalonica, and God converted many people there, but there was also great opposition, so much from the Jewish leaders that they were ran out of town. And so they left Thessalonica, and they went to the next city, which is Berea, Look at verse 10. Look at it in your Bible. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, which is their pattern, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now look at verse 11. That's, this is the key verse for the whole lesson. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? Why, Paul? Why Or Luke, why, you're writing this. Why are they more noble-minded? For they receive the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, what was the result of that? Many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. So not only were Jews reached, but so were Gentiles. And so that verse 11 is what we want to look at. And here's the main idea from that verse. Approach your Bible like a Berean. And here's what they did. With a heart posture of an active learner with a teachable heart. An active learner with a teachable heart. We need the heart posture of the Bereans. And they were listening to the word preached. We're talking in terms of reading the Bible in print, but it all applies. Right now, you're listening to the Word of God, and you need the heart posture of the Bereans, that you, have, you are an active learner 
with a teachable heart. So let's break these two aspects down into two heart postures. So we're going to look at two heart postures, and here they are. Approach your Bible studiously as an active learner, and approach your Bible obediently with a teachable heart. I think the Bereans teach us to do both. So let's dive in. Here's the first approach for today. Approach your Bible studiously as an active learner. Studiously, like a student. Now, immediately, don't freak out about that word. Some of you are like, what? Student, study, you've already lost me. This isn't for me. I'm not like you. I'm not a pastor. I haven't went to Bible college. No, approaching the Bible studiously for our purposes and for the Bereans is simply this. Be an active learner. That's all we're talking about, an active learner. We're not talking about being a scholar. We're not talking about having a degree. We're not talking about knowing Greek and Hebrew. We're talking about being more noble-minded. Look again at verse 11. This is the characteristic more noble-minded. Now, that simply means... I've always wondered, you know, what's that mean? What's that referred to? And it, it, it simply means to be open-minded to learning what God has to say. In fact, probably the most accurate and direct uh, uh, meaning of it is they were more willing to learn than the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians learned. I mean, we have two books of the Bible. In fact, sometimes I mistake what's written in the in first and second Thessalonians to refer to the Bereans. No, because the Thessalonians had radical response. But there was something different about the Bereans. They were more willing to learn. And I would put forth to you what was different is their heart posture. They approached the Bible differently. And we want to approach the Bible like they did. We want to be more willing to learn. Be an active learner. So here's what we see. In fact, look at verse 11 in your Bibles. Even if you don't know Greek, even if you don't know Hebrew, even if you don't um, look up in a commentary, that verse will tell, if you're an active learner that compares Scripture with Scripture, that verse will tell you what more noble-minded means. It means what follows. tells you what it means. Then those in Thessalonica, they were more noble-minded for what? They received the word with great eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if it was true. There's the two aspects of an active learner. So here I'm going to give it to you. Eagerly hear from God and personally engage the Bible for yourself. That's what I want you to be motivated to do today. Eagerly hear from God. Approach your Bible so that you eagerly hear from God and personally engage the Bible for yourself. You see, there's two kind of learners in this room at all times, always. Passive ones and active ones. You know what passive learners do? They sit and they receive information without engaging, without interacting, and without responding. This is what they do, Michaela. I'm not picking, I'm just showing. This, this is what they do. They don't even do this. They just get that glazed 
I've seen it for decades. Okay, I've looked at it. I know what it is. Okay, I've seen it, right? I've seen it. That's what a passive learner does, right? But act, they, just, they just passively sit there instead of actively listening, actively engaging, actively interacting. But active learners are about the Bereans. And what do they do? They listened eagerly. And they examine the scriptures diligently. In other words, they approach their Bible studiously, like a student. Okay? Now, the, different was, the difference was their heart posture. So, how do I do that? What does that mean, Chris? Help me understand what that is. So, let's look at the next point. Approach your Bible the way you engage your Bible personally is to approach your Bible studiously with Berean Bible study. What I'm going to give you is a five-step process that I like calling Berean Bible study based on this very book. Because I'm, I'll show you from verse 11, 1711, this is exactly the process they did. Now, it's also known as inductive Bible study. Why? Inductive means you find the meaning in the text. You take the meaning out of the text instead of you reading into the Bible what you think it means. Instead of saying you read something, like for a lot of years... I mean, I've discipled men continuously since 1992, pretty much without, without always having somebody, okay? Almost always having somebody. And it never fails. It doesn't matter who they are. So if I discipled you, I'm not talking just about you. But I can tell you, we'll look at the Bible, we'll read a verse, I'll ask them a question about that verse, and they'll look at my forehead as though the answer is on my forehead. And I have to repeatedly say, the answer's not on my forehead. It's in your Bible. Now, what, if they don't think it's on my forehead, the second thing that they do is they come up, and I'll use Rick because Rick doesn't care when you use Rick as a personal ex- a, a, a example. So I called it Rick Answers. And I would tell him that. I'd say, we'd look at a verse, 1711. Now, how did the Bereans study the Bible? And Rick would start giving me a Rick answer, which would be, whatever popped into his head that day, or whatever he thought about the Bible. And I would listen politely, and when he was done, I'd say, Rick, that's a Rick answer. The answer, though, is in the Bible. Are you, you seeing what I'm saying? And so we'd always have to go back. No, don't make this more complicated. The answer is in the text. Get the meaning out of the text, not from your reasoning. Does that make sense? And Rick wasn't the only one. We all do this. We all do this. We read it and we just start thinking. No, think about the text. Inductive, okay? I call it Berean Bible study. So let's look at it. It's a five-step process. And, and listen, you can go as deep on this. We've ta- I, I, I've got a series. I've taught, equipped many of you for 15 weeks into this. So you can go deep. What I'm giving you today is how you can do it just by reading. I want to change your reading of the Bible so that you're doing your reading as an active learner. Are you with me? So don't, okay, so here's the first step. Consecration. Consecration. Study from a love for God. Study from a love for God. 
Where do I see that? They received Paul with eagerness. Why? Because Paul showed up in Berea. They don't know him from Adam or Moses or Joshua. He said, hi, I'm Paul, and I've got a message from God. And they said, I'm all in. Why? Because we love God, and we want to hear from God. And so we talked about this last week. Consecration. If you want to understand what this step means, uh, don't, all it means is last week. Okay, start with the heart. Okay, so basically, your first step in reading is go back. Carmen's got the notes. She'll tell you. Approach your Bible humbly, desperately, prayerfully. Consecrate yourself. I'm about to hear from God. But I want to talk a little bit, not to repeat last week's lesson, I want to talk a little bit about the motivation of love. Okay, so let's just talk. Why were they eager? I would put forth to you, we long to learn about what we love. That's one of the quotes from Matt in his book that Carmen just won. We long to learn about what we love. You ever, you ever met a guy that loves sports? Look, hey, hey, active learner, active learning going on over here. Yeah, and guys that love sports know the stats. Why? Because we long to learn about what we love. Any uh, fixer-upper fans here that will admit? I was going to say women, but John's raising. Okay, there you go. You, how many Chip and Joanna books do you have? You don't, have you been on the pilgrimage? You don't love them. Okay, so if you love them, you love you desire, yes, it does, it does. So Todd needs to get on the horse and ride. There you go, that's right. Yeah, if you, lo- if you love Fixer Upper, you've bought the books, you've bought the recipes, you've sold the farm so they can have a bigger farm. You have made the pilgrimage. Why? Because we long to learn about what we love. This is why my daughter can tell you all the Marvel characters and the actors behind them and what's going on with the actors. It's why she can tell you about this. She knows more about the Royals than some guys do. Why? Because she loved and still loves the Royals. We long to learn about what we love, and I would put forth to you who we love. And so we need to approach our Bibles out of a love for the one who wrote it out of a love for the author. And listen, when you get, a, you get a text from your boss, it's drudgery. You read it, you do what you have to do, you delete it. You get a love letter from your spouse, though. How do you read a love letter? Dear Chris, dear. What's that mean? Like, dear Chris or dear Chris? You know, and, and, and then when Gwen signs it, sincerely yours. You read it and you go, sincerely yours? Like, like I'm hers? What? Sincerely, but I don't know. Sincerely, that doesn't sound, it didn't say love. It doesn't say yours forever. It just says sincere. Wonder why, you see what I'm saying? You're, you're reading it differently. You want to know the meaning. You've already become an active learner because you're like, what's the heart behind it? What's, what is really being said here? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay, we learn, listen, we learn because we love. And we love because he first loved us. Amen? And so there we go. Step one. Step two. Step two is observation. 
So you begin with consecration because it always starts with your heart. And then you move into observation. And in observation, we not only study from a love for God, but we study to look into the truth. We study to look into the truth. And this will change how you read the Bible. So notice what they did. Go back to Acts 17.11. They received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily. They looked into the Bible. They didn't just listen to Paul. They looked into their Bible, which at that day was the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. And obviously everybody didn't have their personal copy. They were at the synagogue. They'd all gather around the scroll and they're like, is what he's saying biblical? And they examine. And this word for examine really is what defines Berean Bible study. It's what defines inductive Bible study. Because examining means to engage in careful study. It means to examine carefully, to investigate, to question, to study thoroughly. And that's the idea. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you two simple ways you can do this whenever you read the Bible. And for all my biblical training, I've got nine years of formal training in the Bible, Greek, Hebrew. I'm telling you, when push comes to shove, this is still how I study to prepare for a message. So here's two ways to do it. First way is to ask the six questions of an investigative reporter. And what are the six questions? Most of you know what they are, right? What are they? Who? What? When? Where, why, and how. There you go. It's just ask those. Just ask those. When you're reading, pause on a verse. When, when a verse stands out to you, and then just start asking, who, what, when, why, how, what. This really works in narrative passages. In fact, I've, I've got a sheet. I can give it to you. This is what I do. I just take a legal pad. If I'm going to uh, preach on a message, or if I'm reading, and I just want no more, like I'm reading through, and I'm like, wow, this, this passage about the Brian's cool. I will simply take a legal pad and put these questions, one question on each piece of paper, and then just write down everything I see from it. It's really that simple. Don't make this hard. Secondly, and let me give you, so you're saying, no, that's still too hard. Okay, so let me give you four simple things to look for as an active learner. Here's four simple things. Look for repeated words. If you would just start reading your Bible looking for repeated words, it would, you would become an active learner, right? And, and Terry, you're shaking your head. That's true, isn't it? You've experienced that. Look for repeated words. Look for logical connections. For instance, look at verse 11. If you just notice... Now, for, and then in verse 12, therefore, you see those logical connections, you will have a better understanding of that passage, okay? Uh, Look for people speaking or the narrator explaining. And then if, if you want to make it as simple as I can make it, look for what God says about himself about his relationship with people, unsaved and saved, and about his relationship with creation. God, people, and creation. There you go. Observation in a nutshell. And listen to the words. Don't be Dr. Watson. Here's what Sherlock Holmes said to Dr. Watson. You see, but you do not observe. And many of us read 
and we read it, and we close our Bible, and we go, I have no clue what I just read. Now, sometimes that just happens. It still happens to me. But most of the time, that's an indication that you have seen or you have read, but you haven't been an active learner. You haven't really observed. So that's the second step, observation. Now, why do we look into the truth? Why do we do observation? Why did they examine the scriptures diligently? Look at Acts 17.11. It tells us why. To see whether these things were so. And so that's the uh, third step, and it's interpretation. 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 Is that right? I don't know. Okay, you know what it is. Don't worry about that. All right. Interpretation. Something like that. I can't think about what I'm going to say and spell at the same time. Um, Listen. They examined the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Brians were not so... We we saw that they were open-minded, but they weren't so open-minded that their brains fell out. They weren't so open-minded that they checked their, their brains at the door of the church. They were searching for the meaning of Scripture and whether these things were true. Now, how can we do this today? We do this. You say, how can I interpret the Bible? It's easier than what you think. Compare Scripture with Scripture. That's what they did. Paul said, I'm coming here with a message from God. They said, oh yeah, unroll the scrolls and let's compare Scripture with Scripture because God won't contradict Himself. Now, how are you going to do this? You know how you're going to do that? you got to read the whole Bible. You have got to read the whole Bible and you've got to keep reading the whole Bible. I, you know, my dad helped me and spent a whole lot of money for five years getting a master's of theology at Dallas Seminary. But you know what the best thing about that whole education? It wasn't so much the Greek and Hebrew, as great as that is. It was that we worked through every book of the Bible in the English Bible. I just immersed in the Bible for five years. It was the best thing. I've still, to this day, when I interact with pastors, say they will, one... When I interact with pastors, I'm shocked at how many, pa- uh, that, that not many, but I, I just want to be edifying. There's, 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 there's too many pastors that just don't know the Bible. They just don't know the Bible. Secondly, and thank God that's not the case at our church. Secondly, I get affirmed and commended for how I bring the Bible to whatever our discussions are. Because I'm like, look, I'm not that smart. I can't even spell interpretation, okay? But God, you know, I can bring the Bible to issues and problems because I know the Bible, and you can too. So recently I had a heart checkup. Don't, it wasn't just, you know, uh, I'm old, older, okay? And so I had to do it. So the heart sonogram. So you're laying there on the side, and the gal's gelling your chest up and rubbing this thing. And, you know, I know you ladies have harder things to go through than that. But anyway, it's not fun. So I'm on that side. This lady's face is right there. So what do you do for a living? So, you know, that's always a loaded question. And so I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? And then she asked me. <laughs> okay. okay, focus, lady. <laughs> you know, it's my heart you're looking at. I said, she said, I said, and then she said, we're laying, you know, the room's dark. I mean, it's just, it's a weird experience. You know, and she's right there in my face. You know, I'm half naked. And, uh, and she says, 
have you ever read the whole Bible? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, I just told you I'm a pap, but see? You know, okay. I said, yes, I have. And I spared her telling her how many times I had and in how many translations because the goal was to have, you know, witnessing. Okay, so I said, yeah, I have. And she said, well, you know what? And she was so proud. This is why she asked. She goes, you know what? I have too. And she said, man, you know, it took me six months. And I just started laughing. You know, I said, hey, remove that thing for a minute. I got to laugh here. I said, that is funny because you realize most people take a year, two years, even three years. You did that in six months. Kudos to you. Congratulations. She said, yeah. And then she proceeded to tell me why she read the Bible. She was doing the same thing. I guess she's a talkative sonogram heart person. And so she had a Muslim man. And as the Muslim man's laying there, he says, have you read your holy book? And she said, I had to say no. And to this lady's credit, she said, that's the last time I'm going to answer no. And she proceeded to read the Bible in six months. Well, let me give you an even greater reason for reading your Bible. Do it because you love the author and you know him. Do it so you can look into the truth. Read the whole Bible so that you can learn the truth. Amen? And so that's the idea. Compare Scripture with Scripture. I have some other, uh, uh, other things there. Uh, get a study Bible. I really recommend the John MacArthur Study Bible. Get a Bible dictionary. The new, if you just got those two tools, New Bible Dictionary, Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, put them on your shelf, put them on your phone or computer, and just use them. You would learn so much about interpretation. Notice what Jen Wilkins said. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. You've got to do interpretation. Fourth is application. If you're going to be a Berean, application. Man, I'm deteriorating. I can't even write. Application. Application is the fourth. Study to live the truth. Study to live the truth. Look at verse 12, Acts 17, verse 12. They did consecration. They were eager out of a love for God. They did observation. They examined the scriptures daily. They did interpretation to see if it was true. And they did application. Verse 12, therefore they believed. They responded. Listen, Acts 16, Lydia, heart is opened to respond. Acts 17, They're examining the scriptures daily to respond. And so application is the goal. Study to live the truth. Study to live the truth. We love in order to live. We look in order to live. We learn in order to live. Listen, interpretation is not for information Interpretation, all these steps, is for transformation through application. All right? Fifth and final step is this, communication. Communication. Study out of a love for others. So do you see the sandwich of the two great commandments? We study out of a love for God, but we end with studying For a love for others. And what's that mean? We want to share with others what God is teaching us. Can I get some active learning here? 
<laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay, now here, I gave you, I, lo- I love this. I love, look at these four things. I gave you four. You say, I'm not, a, see, imme- see, here's the problem. We take all this stuff and we complicate it and we project it away from personal responsibility and say, well, I'm not a teacher like Chris. I'm not uh, a preacher like Bruce. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not this. I just gave you in your notes four ways that you can on a daily basis communicate what you're learning in God's Word. It's this simple. Want to know what God taught me today? Now, the first time you ask that, people will say yes. Next time you ask, they may say no, okay? Some of it depends on your heart, right? I mean, if you say, want to know what I learned from God today? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, I, I've never had any, yeah, yeah, I'd like to. And then if you go on for, you know, 45 minutes with a lesson at the lunch break, you're not going to be popular. Don't do that. Just share a simple truth. Could I share with you what I read in God's Word today? I read this in the Bible. What do you think it means? These are witnessing lines. These, this is just, this works. I read this in the Bible today and I thought of you. Now, you know, if, if you're reading Flee Immorality and you say that, you know, I, you know, you got to be careful with this. You know, I just, man, you know, uh, just read about adultery and it, it just, I, I thought of you, you know. No, 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 that, I'm, I don't mean it that way. What I mean is more for encouraging. You know, I read this and I thought of you. Something that I've started to do now that I think is encouraging to others is when people ask me for prayer, I respond by one, I've been trying to do this for many years, praying right then and there or with them on the phone. Two, I now share a passage of scripture. So if I see a request on Facebook for something, I, I just, okay, and see, this comes from knowing, the, you got to know the Bible. You just got to know it. And so you just, you know, so like uh, our missionaries, our global partners, the, the, the Thompsons, you know, they put requests out there. And just, oh, well, here's the word of God. You, you don't need to hear, you know, I, they don't need another person saying, yeah, I'll pray. <laughs> That's what everybody does. No, they need a word from God. Right now, Silas is away for like three to four weeks, and his wife is all by herself. That's not, you know, that's difficult on several levels at the point they are in their life. And so, hey, you know what? I, I shared the scripture, and right now my, my brain's, I, I can't remember what I shared. But that's, this is what you do. Share. Share. All right. So those are the five. Now, there they are. Consecration, observation, interpretation, application, communication. Approach your Bible studiously as an active learner, Berean Bible study method. But do it with a teachable heart. And that's the second approach that I want to end with. And it's this. Approach your Bible obediently with a teachable heart. Approach your Bible obediently with a teachable heart. Because all of this is about application. Now, I love the story, the illustration of uh, people were at church and the sermon had been preached and they were headed out the door and someone caught them at the door and they were coming in and they said, is the sermon over? And the guy going out the door said, no, it's just begun. Why? Because we need to live it. 
right? And so when you read your Bible and you close it, is the reading over? No, it's just begun. You need to obey the Word of God. So let me give you three points here. Uh, First of all, I think I have a quote there. In the Bible, hearing is always about obeying. And the same is true for reading and studying it. In the Bible, the Bible doesn't make a distinction between hearing something and then deciding to obey it. It, I did a whole series on this. Hupakuo. Place yourself under what you hear. All right? So here, let me give you these points. First, obedience is the opportunity to glorify God with the rota response. Obedience is how we glorify God. It's how we worship God. And I wish I, I could go into this more. But in Acts chapter 12, we meet the doorkeeper by the name of Rhoda. Remember, Peter is in prison and the church is gathered in a closed door prayer meeting. And God answers their prayer and the angel miraculously opened the doors and releases Peter. Peter makes a, a, a beeline for the gathered church, the local church, knocks on the door and in Acts Chapter 12, 13, it says this. When he knocked the door at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And that word answer is hupakuo. She heard the knock and she was quick to hear and quick to respond. That's the same word for obedience in the Bible. Okay, And you know the story's funny. Peter's knocking. She says, hey, don't bother us. We're praying for Peter to get out of jail. Shuts the door. Peter knocks again. And she says, oh, it's Peter. Okay, whoa. You know, God, you know, God answers prayer. That's an amazing thing. So what's the rota response? The rota response is this. Here's what a doorkeeper, here's their whole, their whole posture was this. Whatever else they were doing, they were always doing this. And when the doorkeeper heard the door knock, they were quick to hear it, quick to respond. And isn't, parent, isn't that every parent's desire for your kids? Is it any different for God, for us as his kids? Quick to hear, quick to respond from the heart. That is obedience that glorifies God. Uh, point number two under this. Obedience is not optional for true believers. See, again, we separate hearing and obeying. In the whole series, it's online, Hupakuo, how to listen to the Word of God. We separate. So what we do is, okay, I'm going to hear Chris teach or Pastor Bruce preach, or I'm going to hear the Word today, and then I'll decide if I want to obey it. When, in fact, obedience is not an option. Every time we hear the Word of God, we're obligated. But listen, it's not a burden. It's a delight. You were designed for obedience to God. And so you get to flourish. Birds are made for the air, fish for the sea, and Christians, and really all people, are made to obey God. In fact, I just read Paul Tripp this morning. He said, really, obedience is an act of grace to deliver you from you. Obedience is an act of grace to deliver you from you. It's freeing. It's liberating. Well, let me give you these, these, these points. Between, look up these verses and notice three things. Between obedience, the difference between a true disciple and a deceived unbeliever. 
Obedience is the difference between an obedient doer and a diseased, a deceived hearer. And obedience is the difference between a sure follower and a deceptive liar. Unbeliever, hearer, and liar. What all three of those verses have in common is deception. I wish I, you know, this is the problem with knowing the Bible. You come up with tons of outlines of stuff. You're like, oh, that, oh, 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 oh. Listen, if you're not obeying, if your life is a persistent pattern of disobedience to the Word of God, you might be deceived into thinking you're a believer. You might be deceived and you're a hearer only. And you might actually be a liar who deceives others by saying, I am a true Christian. Or you may be just a disobedient child of God. Either way, it doesn't really matter. The same response is repent and begin to obey. Third, and we end with this, obedience is the outworking of God's grace in our hearts. Right now, you may be going, okay, this is overwhelming. This is why I don't like sitting under the word of God. This sounds impossible. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is impossible. It is impossible apart from the grace of God. But here's the good news. Look at those two verses in your notes. Here's the good news. When you get into the word... God implants His Word in you and it's able to save your soul. God's Word is... You say, God, I'm not able. Good, my Word's able. And then look at that last verse. The Thessalonians. You know, those Thessalonians that weren't as noble-minded, you're like, oh, I'm not like them Bereans. I'm like those Thessalonians. Well, here's the good news. The Word, they accepted the Word of God For what it was, not the words of men, but the word of God. And notice what it says, which also performs its work in you who believe. Listen, obedience is the outworking of God's grace at work in your heart through his word. None of us are able. None of us are obedient. All of us are in need of this book. So I, I challenge you, be an active learner with a teachable heart. Approach your Bible studiously and then approach it obediently with a teachable heart. Amen. This is good stuff. You say, oh, I, oh those five. Okay, just pick one of these. Just pick one thing. Remember what you're going to do out of this lesson? You want to hear one thing that I learned today? It's this. Go and do it. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, thank you that you're a God who is there and you're not silent. You have spoken. You haven't all, not only spoken, but you have had it recorded without error on the page. And it can be translated into Moconde. It can be translated into French, into English, German, Spanish. Lord, we have your word. Now we need to be active in learning it. I pray for encouragement to each person here. The one that didn't read the Bible last year. The one that read it but wasn't moved by it. And those that were in it and were applying it. We can all go deeper. We can all delight more. We can all desire it more. 
Lord, we are desperate for your work to work on the inside out to make us more like you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. And we say so by the Spirit who teaches us to cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. Amen. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. Approach your Bible. Carmen, you get a free book next week. <laughs>